Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I have to especially uh, thank my guests for hopping on board and talking NBA with us because I'm pulling away from his ability to watch these games. Uh, he is the creator of HoopsCritic.com and hosts NBA shows on SiriusXM's NBA Radio. Brian Geltzheiler joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. How you been, Geltz? Good, Jody. How you doing, pal? Good. Uh, been a minute since you and I talked, so I'm looking forward to catching up with you on the NBA Right now, who is the leader in the clubhouse for MVP in the NBA? Uh, it's funny. If you had asked me a week ago, I would have told you LeBron James. Um, from what I've seen over the course of the last week, I'm leaning more towards Joel Embiid right now. But it's that close, Jody, between those two players. They have both had just wonderful seasons from the jump. LeBron, the four-game losing streak kind of had me turn my nose up a little bit with LeBron, and I understand it's without Schroeder and Davis. But part of being an MVP is carrying it as long as you can carry it. And it's really amazing what he's doing when you think about the short turnaround. Look what the short turnaround has done to Miami. And granted, Miami's had some, some COVID protocol issues that have hurt them, but, but it's been tough for them to bounce back off that, off that, that short off season. The Lakers have done a good job of it, and LeBron is the chief reason why. But right now I have to lean towards Joel Embiid. They're the number one team in the Eastern Conference, the Sixers, and really the, he is everything that they do revolves around him. And he has been fantastic on both ends of the floor, having the best year of his career. Um, again, not a put down on LeBron. And frankly, you could ask me in a week, and LeBron could have it back. Right. That's how close it is between the two of them right now. But I'm going to lean a little bit on this particular day, on February 28, 2021. I'm, dealing, I'm leaning towards Joel Embiid. Uh, as would I. I said last week here on CBS and in, in Philadelphia for the Sixer fans down there that it had become a two-horse race. There's five, six, seven guys in the league you can consider, but those two had opened up a couple of links on everybody else, and I thought it was a two-man race. And I said, here's my worry about Joel, because I said I'd give him a slight edge over LeBron, close, but a slight edge. He's already missed seven games. And I did yep. some research, and uh, there's only been one MVP in the last 15 years who's missed 10 games. Nobody has missed more than 10, and he's already got seven misses, and we've uh, got more than half a season yet to play. And it's a shortened season at that. They're only playing 72 instead of 82. Will that weigh against him if he doesn't play, say, 15 of 72 for the 76ers this year? It depends, and this is probably going to sound grossly unfair in how I put it, but if he sustains an injury that forces him to be out for a meaningful amount of time and he misses another seven to ten games revolving around an injury, 
I think that'll disqualify him. However, if he misses a game here and a game there for over the course of the season and maybe five more over the rest of the season based upon injury management, load management, because of the nature of this season, Jody, I don't know that voters will use that against them. The games are so compressed. There's so many games coming at these guys so quickly. And now, as we're going to listen, we're going to break at the end of this coming week. We're going to break here for the All Star game and then come back, you know, four days later and be right back into it in even a more hectic schedule because of all the postponements of the first half that they got to figure out a way to try to make up. So, it, the game, the schedule is so compressed. I think we have to cut guys a break that take a game off here and a game off there this year in particular. You don't have your requisite amount of rest that these guys are used to. So I think when I look at it for Embiid, if it's just over the normal course of staying healthy for the balance of the season and he's got to have these injury management games, I wouldn't be in a hurry to use that against him right now. Again, you miss an injury and all of a sudden somebody's played an appreciable amount more games than you because you missed a whole bunch in a row because you're hurt. I think that's going to be more of a disqualifier. And, oh, by the way, that Giannis guy who's only won the last two in a row has gotten on a little bit of a hot streak, four or five straight 30-point games, including 36 today, in a big win over the Clippers. Uh, I'm asking you, as you correctly stated, on February 28th, and there's a whole bunch of seats left to be played, and it can change several times, but I, I don't think Giannis has uh, given up on defending his throne just yet. He's, he's gotten on a little bit of a roll for the Bucks. Yeah, they've played better, Jody. They, you know, they lost five in a row. Now they're just one five in a row. That's a good win this afternoon. He, you know, the problem that's happened with him, and I think why a lot of voters are dismissing him quickly and maybe too quickly, is the fact that the free throw shooting has gone backwards and it's been damaging to the Bucks. And the Bucks are not the same defensive team they've been. Now, a big part of that has nothing to do with Giannis. A big part of that is the Bucks are playing a particular defensive style, and teams are doing a much better job of attacking that defensive style. They love to hang in the paint. They'll give up open shots. Teams are being much more patient in what open shots to take. They're working from the corners in, in a, a bigger way than they ever have, and it's hurting Milwaukee. It really is. And, and so, yes, it's Giannis is there. He's always going to be there as long as he's in his prime here. But I think because you had a significant skill of his that went backwards and something that really matters and has caused the Bucks a couple of losses this season, his poor free throw shooting, I think that actually puts him in a little bit of a deficit. Um, and you're going to look at it in the terms of Embiid and LeBron and, you know, in, in, in winning the award. I don't know that he's going to be up there with them because the free throw shooting has become this persistent problem. You mentioned the All-Star Game, which is coming up uh, not uh, a week from now. Um, so this is the the final week leading up to the break. It is just an All-Star Day, All-Star Sunday, not the All-Star Weekend. They're going to try and jam-pack a bunch of events into a shorter period of time, but have players in that town also for a shorter period of time uh, as a precaution against uh, potential covid there were certainly people suggesting that the All-Star Game should have been postponed for an entire year. The NBA uh, talked about it as a possibility, then decided to go through with it, moved it to Atlanta. You and I both know the one of the reasons that they're doing it, and probably the biggest reason is financial, uh, that it is a big night for one of their main TV partners, TNT, and they want to provide them with that programming. Not all players are excited about going to the All-Star Game and would much rather have the couple days off and be able to quarantine and get with their family than get on a plane and go to Atlanta. I understand the money's the money, but did the NBA make the right call? You know, Jody, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, 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 but I do want to say this. I don't know that the NBA had a choice. And I think under that line of thinking, they probably did make the right call. The bottom line is this. You know, you look at NBA arenas, and we're at a point where most arenas in the league are allowing limited capacity. But we're about at the halfway point, and the limited capacity is really limited. There is not a lot of money being made from ticket sales, concessions, and merchandising in in arenas. That money is almost nil this year. So where's all the revenue coming from that's paying these players? Well, the revenue is coming from the TV networks. And it's 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 the regional TV networks in each market. And, of course, it's, you know, Turner Broadcasting, which is owned by AT&T and WarnerMedia, right? And there's ESPN and Disney. So those, when they want something and something's important to them, the league has to bend over backwards to do it. That is the goose that laid the golden egg. That's what that is. So the Turner, Turner Broadcasting wants an all-star game. There's no coincidence why it's in Atlanta. It's in Atlanta because Turner is based in Atlanta. And Turner doesn't have to spend the money to move talent and equipment and everything you need to put on an all-star game to another city. So this is all being done to accommodate. But again, when you have take a huge revenue source, 45% of the league's revenue, it comes from what happens inside an arena. The other 55% of that revenue, 60% of that revenue, you have to really take care of those broadcast partners. This is something that they want. And the Players Association, in the end, as much as we have players that are unhappy about it, their union agreed. And their union agreed because no one wants less money. That's the bottom line. And they're still getting paid their full salaries. You know, keep one thing in mind. With this pandemic, there's a force majeure clause in the CBA. Owners could have shut this season down last year. They could have, they could have scrapped the CBA and started from scratch. And the players know it wouldn't have been as favorable for them. The owners have kept the CBA in place. And now they're trying to take care of who they want to take care of and who needs to be taken care of to keep the money flowing in. It's not a pleasant reality for the players, there's no doubt. And I know it's objectionable to a lot of guys. Nonetheless, it's, it's kind of a necessary evil at this stage. Brian Geltzeiler, HoopsCritic.com, Sirius XM NBA Radio, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. I, I uh, mentioned this, I think it was last night here. I think I might have even mentioned it on Philly the other night uh, on my show down there. A uh, good tweet you put out when they selected the All-Star Reserves. Uh, you said that if you've got a problem with somebody not making it, then you've got to have someone who did make it that you'd be willing to take off the roster so as to put your uh, skipped-over guy into the game. I'll do that for you right now. I think that Tobias Harris deserves to be an all-star. He's had the best year of his career, and uh, we saw the Sixers offense lay a golden egg last night without him. Uh, He was out of the lineup with an injury. And I'll tell you who he should be replacing. That should be his teammate, Ben Simmons, who's had a really good run the last couple of weeks, including a career-high 42 points. But the first two months of the season, he did not play like an all-star. And I think the Sixers should have had two guys on the team, uh, but they shouldn't have been Embiid and Simmons. It should have been Embiid and Harris. What do you say? I was waiting for you to ask me this question, Jody. Um, And because I will tell you, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. And I love Tobias Harris. I think he's playing terrific. There's a unique relationship between him and Doc Rivers. And Doc knows how to use him better than any coach that I think he's ever had. So it's no coincidence that Harris is having this kind of offensive year. But the other thing about this is that Harris is not a wonderful defensive player. Ben Simmons, and this is one of the reasons I have no issue with him being on the all-star team, 
has ascended into one of the best, if not the best, perimeter defender in the league. Like, he is up there with Giannis in terms of defensive versatility and all the different guys that he can guard. And they use him that way. Doc Rivers uses him that way night in and night out. I think it's because he has Embiid behind him, and Embiid is so good defensively, it becomes easy to take Simmons for granted with what he does. Because he's brave on defense. He's pressing up chest-to-chest with guys. Because he knows if he gets beat off the bounce, he's got the big guy coming in behind. Him. And by the way, when the big guy's on the bench, he's got Dwight Howard coming in behind him. So he's got plenty of support behind him. It's made Simmons braver defensively, and it's made him better defensively. So I hear what you're saying, and Harris has been terrific. It's no disrespect to Harris, but I do think I, I think you're underrating who Ben Simmons has become on the defensive end of the floor. You are preaching to the choir, my friend. I am not. I last year suggested he should have won Defensive Player of the Year in the NBA over Giannis which I still don't quite get. Giannis is a really good defender. He's not the best. Simmons is better. Simmons was better last year, and he's better again this year. And I'll make the case for him to win defensive player again, either he or Gobert. This is the all-star team we're talking about. We're not talking about the all-defensive team. And, oh, by the way, I've only been watching the all-star game for 40-some-odd years. You play better defense on the playground than they play in the all-star game. So I don't know that you earn a spot. Well, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt here, buddy. Um, (laughs) You don't make the all-star team on your defensive prowess. If that were the case, Rudy Gobert should be a lock to be on the all-star team every single year, and he's not. Uh, That's not how I formulate my all-star squad. It's an offensive showcase, and the better offensive player should be there, and the better offensive player is Tobias Harris. I'll say this, Jody. Um, it's not, listen, I'm not advocating that Matthias Teibel make the all-star team. Okay, it's not a no-offense guy. Ben Simmons averaging 16 points, 8 assists, and 8 rebounds a game. Like the guy, 1.6 steals a game and almost a block a game. Like his numbers are really, really good. So you combine that with him being, and I agree with you. Listen, I think he's the best perimeter defender in a game. I wouldn't have had him as defensive player of the year last year. I would have had Anthony Davis. But we are on the same page that it wasn't Giannis. That we both agree with that. All right, and I thought Anthony Davis fantastic last year. He hasn't been as good this year. But I think what Simmons provides offensively is meaningful and significant and really important to what the Sixers do. Um, Again, it's just it's going to be a fundamental disagreement regarding that. I think you put a guy on the all-star team because defense is part of his package, even if they're not going to be playing any defense in the all-star game. I think defense matters in terms of of giving guys this kind of award, which is why you see Gobert on the all-star team in the West this year also. You know, but with that said, I hear what you're saying. And, and again, I don't want to, I'm not denigrating Harris. I'd love Tobias Harris, and he's had a terrific year. And I've not always been a Tobias Harris fan, and I thought the Sixers erred by making him a max money player, and he hasn't played like a max money player the first year of his contract. He's actually earning it this year. He's a key he element. He's playing really well. To yep. why the Sixers Agreed. are in first in the East. All right. Are they going to be able to hold off uh, Brooklyn? Uh, Brooklyn has gotten it together. They were missing both Kyrie and KD. Got beat last night pretty badly by the Mavs, as a matter of fact. But prior to that, they've been the hottest team in the NBA. Is it their conference to lose at this point in your eyes? It is. I'll say this. I like Brooklyn's chances of beating Milwaukee much more than I like their chances of beating Philadelphia. I, I think that you look at those three teams and it's all very it's it's really about the matchups. And ultimately we saw what a good small ball team can do to the Bucks last year with what the Heat did to them in the second round of the playoffs. The Nets will do that and make it look easy against the Bucks. 
However, there's a, the, the Nets have a Joel Embiid problem because ultimately DeAndre Jordan can't handle him. You can't play Kevin Durant on him. You can try to put Jeff Green on him, but it's not going to do any good. And really, they're in no position to get somebody that can make less. They're not going to stop Joel Embiid, but you want somebody that make life, makes life a little bit difficult on him. They're not going to be able to get that guy. And I think ultimately, that's the scary thing for Brooklyn here. The scary thing for Brooklyn is having to go against the Sixers in a playoff series and have literally zero answer for Embiid. And one thing I know about the Sixers, they will slow the game down and make it all about Embiid. That discipline that they've showed this year, that Doc's instilled that, been very impressive. And, and that's, to me, if I'm Steve Nash, that's the thought keeping me up at night, that I just don't have the arrow in my quiver to be able to handle Embiid in a playoff series. And, if I, and listen, the Nets are one game back in a loss. They're likely to go into the one seed. But if, for whatever reason, they don't, and they then have to go on the road, because that's the other thing about Philly. And granted, last night against Cleveland notwithstanding, they're a fantastic home team. So I, I will tell you, as I don't want to make it a foregone conclusion that the conference absolutely belongs to the Nets because Embiid is a huge, huge problem for them that I don't know that they're capable of solving. Understood. Uh, and my Sixer fan, fellow fans aren't going to be happy with this, but i got to ask you, uh, what every NBA fan says, good enough, high, high enough level NBA fan says, well, the buyout market, that there'll be someone that gets bought out, that uh, they can get on the cheap, and they'll come in for the veteran minimum just to be able to take a run at a championship. I think people put too much stock in that, that it's a given that the perfect piece is going to fall into your lap. But every once in a while it does. Is there a guy you can see on the fallout market who would fit the criteria of being able to give them a couple decent minutes and at least slow down Joel Embiid more so than anyone they have on their roster right now? Not really. And and I'll give you who I'm seeing here. First of all, I, I listen, I, I don't think Drummond's going to get bought out. Um, Miami's willing to make some kind of deal for him. I know that Toronto has an interest in him. I know that New York has an interest in him. And so I think there are deals absolutely to be made there for Drummond. So I don't think you see Drummond available in the buyout market. JaVale McGee's a guy that if he ends up on the buyout market, they'll grab him. And, but I don't know that that does a lot to solve their problem. A really good guy for them, believe it or not, is Nerlens Noel. But with how good the Knicks are playing right now, I don't think the Knicks are going to be putting him out there. So I, I don't, and he he would be a guy that I think would help Brooklyn a ton in that vein. Not because he's he could deal with Embiid's strength, but because his quickness would be a pain in the butt for Joel Embiid, and he's just big enough and jumps just high enough to make things a little bit difficult there. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be available. Hassan Whiteside will be available, but everything I'm hearing is that he's sticking it to the Lakers to try to kind of be their Dwight replacement because we've seen already Marcus is not working out. And then the other guy that I'll tell you is a dark horse to get bought out. Follow my logic here. If the Celtics decide to do something at the deadline, and I don't know that they will, but if the Celtics decide to do something at the deadline and use that that big trade exception they got for Gordon Hayward, I could see the Celtics getting a big guy there. Maybe a Steven Adams, somebody along those lines could be able to come there. If they do that, I think they could buy Tristan Thompson out. That's not working out. What's ha- they brought him there to take minutes from Thice and because they didn't think that Robert Williams was ready. And quite frankly, when you watch the Celtics play, both Tice and Robert Williams are better than Tristan Thompson. And, and that's a problem. So if they decide that they're going to go get a big, 
Tristan Thompson's he's the one that's extraneous. He's the one that they get rid of. And if that happened, that's actually a guy I think could help Brooklyn maybe more than anybody. You can get if you can get him in there somehow, some way, that's a guy that doesn't have necessarily have the quickness, but he's got the strength to deal with Embiid. And because he is one of the better offensive rebounders in the league, you gotta worry about him on the other end, which makes Embiid less of a help weapon. So to me, but again, that's probably a long shot. In the end, that was a long way of saying the answer is probably not going to lie out there for Brooklyn at the buyout market. But thank you for giving us such an in-depth non-answer. I enjoyed every bit of it. All right, last thing for you, Gels, because we've been discussing it for two days now, and i got to get your take on it. The Kyrie Irving suggestion, which turned into a sign-in sheet of over a million uh, signatures uh, to lend support to the uh, suggestion— that the NBA changed its logo, that it has been a likeness of Jerry West for 50 years and uber successful and uh, one of the all-time NBA greats, that they would think about using a likeness of Kobe Bryant instead. I get it. I like it. I think Kyrie is a little out there, and uh, I take everything he says with a grain of salt, but uh, as they say, a blind uh, squirrel finds a nut in the woods every once in a while, and I think it's a really good idea. Uh, There are some angles to the narrative that need to be discussed, but what are your general thoughts of using a Kobe silhouette as the new NBA logo? I think it's a great idea. I think it's a wonderful way to honor a man that meant a ton to the sport and we lost way early. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, Kobe's someone we want to be reminded of in the league and, and we'll be doing this if Kobe was still here, we wouldn't, but he's not still here. So I, I, so I think that matters. I think the fact that Jerry West is behind it is also very important that Jerry West has said, listen, do this. This would be great. Jerry West and Kobe had a great relationship. And I think it's, you know, sometimes passing the torch and passing the mantle, is what's right and it, what's what works. And I think the other thing is this. I mean, listen, Jody, the NBA is a league with a large majority of African-American players. And, and, you know, not that I think people look at the NBA logo and see color, but I do think when you hear Kyrie Irving put this forward, I, I think there's a comfort level out there regarding this that a lot of people would have. And I think it's, and I think it matters. I think it's important. I really do. So I'd like to see them do this. Here's what I will say about it. I don't know that we're going to see it immediate, anytime immediately or anytime soon, just because it's going to be a very costly endeavor for the league. They're going to have to rebrand and, re- and, and essentially put a new logo out there and start from scratch. Right, right now, as I said earlier, you know, 40% of their revenue in the arenas isn't coming in. So they got to worry about a lot of other things. One of the reasons you're seeing all these crazy alternate jerseys every single game is because this is a way to try to incre- increase merchandising dollars by throwing a lot of different jerseys out in the market that people can go buy. So it, the league's looking at what, to, to whatever they can do to try to generate as much revenue as possible. This is something that's going to fall in the liability category. So we may have to wait a couple of years until this pandemic's more in the rearview mirror until the league decides that they're going to make that kind of investment. And it wouldn't shock me as I think expansion's on the horizon because I think expansion's going to kind of finance a lot of these losses that we've seen in the last two years with the pandemic. And I think the time that you may see the logo change will be when they decide to add two more teams to this league, which to me likely are going to end up being in Seattle and Vegas. All right. That's uh, interesting. Something we've got to keep our eye on. But uh, just from an economic standpoint, and I'm no dollars and cents genius, wouldn't they be able to sell more logoed stuff 
going forward? I know you got to replace it, and it's a cost to replace it to take out all the things you already have and 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 put in a, a brand new logo. But you could also sec- sell a whole bunch of merchandise with the new logo involved, and you might do better selling that than uh, the old logo. Uh, wouldn't it just be an expense up front that they could probably make back in pretty good order? Over time, there's no doubt about it, but I think there's there's a lot more involved in terms of where that logo is, where it exists, and the amount of companies that are associated with it that use the logo, partners of theirs. So I think there's there's a lot of consequences that I don't know that we necessarily see on the surface from doing something like this. And I think with the right time and the right planning, I think it's something that ends up absolutely being a a profitable endeavor. But I think you need that time to be able to plan it. And the other thing is the NBA right now, let's be frank about it, Jody, they got bigger fish to fry. They got much bigger fish to fry. There's much more important issues that they have to attack right now to get this whole thing going in the right direction. I mean, listen, it's been it's been a hard season for the league. All these cancellations, having to worry about COVID, players anchored to their hotels, teams not being able to practice. The league's got cons- major, major concerns right now. And although this is something that's really nice and definitely should happen, I can understand why the league may put it on the back burner in the short term. LeBron must have heard you and I say he's runner-up to Joel Embiid for the MVP right now because he just pulled up from about 40 and made a three at the buzzer to put the Lakers up by 29 at half against the... Yeah, this one's kind of over and done with. So uh, feel free to watch whatever other NBA game you want once you get off the air here with me. Celtics and Wizards tied right now, so I'll be locking right into that one with a minute 35 left. It's all you, Gelts. Thanks for coming on with me tonight. Always a pleasure, brother. I'll be in touch. You got it, Jody. I look forward to it, buddy. Always my pleasure. Take care. Brian Geltziler, Mr. Hoops Critic, HoopsCritic.com, Sirius XM's NBA Radio, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.